0: Section 6 of A Minor War History. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Andrew Gantz. A Minor War History by Martin Alonzo Haynes. Letter number 17. Camp Sullivan, Washington, D.C., July thirtieth, 1861. Just to let you know that I was alive and kicking, I wrote a week ago but did not write half I wanted to. I got a letter from Roger Woodbury a few days ago. He has an idea of enlisting in the 3rd Regiment. I advised him, as he is situated, not to do it. It may seem inconsistent in me to advise him against doing what I myself have done, but he has others dependent on him, while I have not. Things are getting straightened out, so we can now tell about how many men we lost in the unfortunate Battle of Bull Run. Our total loss in killed, wounded, and missing is only about 80 or 90. I lost some of my best friends. Mose Eastman was wounded in the leg. I saw him carried to the rear. If still living, he is probably a prisoner. Frank Wasley has a finger cut off. I had a letter from my mother today. She says they do not know yet in Manchester who is missing, and there is the deepest anxiety there. By the way, I may as well remind you that this is my birthday, and I am 19 years old. If someone with the gift of prophecy had told me a year ago that my next birthday I would be in the army and a participant in the greatest battle ever fought on this continent, wouldn't it have seemed a wild piece of fortune-telling? Letter number 18. Camp Sullivan, Washington, D.C., August 5th, 1861. The heat today is something awful. We are all just about dead from it, lying about camp and sweltering. I received your letter of the 30th and will answer your questions in turn. Charlie Farnham is in our regiment as a drummer. All the boys you specially inquired after are well. Hen Pillsbury often inquires where the woman is and how she's getting along. As to the talk that we are going to be beaten in this war, that is the veriest bosh. The next time we march towards Richmond we will have a force enough to crush our way. We were not beaten this time in the fighting, but by an unfortunate combination of adverse circumstances. Had Johnston's division been held back by Patterson as it was expected it would be, we should have beaten them anyway. And even with that reinforcement, I am not sure we would not have whipped them in the end. But for that unaccountable panic communicated to two or three broken regiments by teamsters, who had driven their teams into places where they were not wanted, and who took the order to change positions as a signal for retreat. Then everything went to pieces before anybody really knew what had happened. My tentmates, Holt and Morse, were both awfully nice boys. Holt was the first man killed in the regiment. He was not with the company, but with the Corps of Pioneers, a detachment of axemen made up of details from the various companies. He was killed very early in the action, while crouching in a ditch by a piece of shell which struck him in the shoulders. Morse was killed late in the day. The regiment was crossing from the slope where it had been fighting over to the opposite hill. It was halted in the valley, while General Burnside rode up the hill a little piece and took an observation we were under very sharp fire from a battery further up. I heard a shot from it come roaring down the slope, ending in a thud, which told it had got a victim down the line. Looking back, I saw a prostrate form sprawled in the dust of the road, with Johnny Ogden bending over it. Who is it, Johnny? I called back. Hen Morse, he answered me. We expect to change our position before long are hoping to spend a few of these hot weeks at Fort McHenry in Baltimore, or at Fortress Monroe. I don't know where the idea started from, but it would be fine. I hear from Manchester often. Roger Woodbury, George Dakin, Ruthven Houghton, and Frank Morrill have enlisted into the 3rd Regiment. How I wish that crowd was in this company. Some of our officers are now in New Hampshire after recruits to fill the gaps in the 2nd Regiment. Letter number 19. Bladensburg, Maryland, August 12th, 1861. Didn't wake up very early this morning, but when I did I got up, quick, rolled out of a puddle of water I had been sleeping in. We moved over to this camp last Friday morning and are in a most delightful location. It is about five miles from Washington, on the field where the Battle of Bladensburg was fought in 1814. There is a little village, a little river, little hills, etc., and plenty of the very best of water close at hand. The place has quite a reputation for its mineral springs. There is one right in the village, and the water is so clear, so cool, so refreshing, only the merest suggestion of a mineral flavor. It is surprising how many of my old friends I managed to run across. Gust Hutchinson, who used to work with me in the old American office, is in the Massachusetts 11th, which is camped here. Almost every day I run across somebody I have known before. August 15th. I have been about used up for the past two days, but now I must finish my letter. You can assure your rebel-sympathizing friends that the rebels cannot take the capital, and I do not believe they will attempt it. I hope they will try. I have just received a paper with a list of the second company of Abbott guards, I note that Roger Woodbury, Frank Johnson, Johnny Stokes, and others of my old friends are in it. My Uncle John has gone home. The climate did not agree with him as well as it does me. End of Section 6